It is good to see you all this morning. As we uh, move into our time today, we got to start with a, a little story. And then the first part of the story, I'm sure you guys all know, uh, August 16th, or 15th, sorry, August 15th, 1945, uh, the emperor of Japan got on the airwaves and announced the surrender of Japan to the Allied forces. And then a couple weeks later, on September 2nd, aboard the USS Missouri, the formal declaration of surrender was signed in a ceremony and World War II was over. I say you guys are familiar with that part of the story, right? Maybe not all the details, but, but you're familiar with the, the surrender of Japan to the U.S., and the Allied forces that, that formally ended World War II. Well, the story gets a, a little kind of personal for me. Obviously, you guys can look at me. I was not there. Um, I wasn't even alive yet. Uh, but uh, when, when we first started coming to Hope Church, when my wife and I started coming, there's this older couple who had been a part of Hope Church since the beginning. Uh, and, and we got that chance to, to meet them and uh, a gentleman's name was Tom Keeper. Some of you may remember Tom. Uh, just He was a, a faithful man who loved God and loved his church. Well, as I got to a chance a couple times to talk to Tom, he was a quiet guy. Uh, we started a conversation with him, and he was asking where in town we live because he knew we had, neither of us were from Dubuque. And I told him where we, at our, our first house, we lived on Lowell Street. And he got all excited. He's like, where on Lowell? And I was like, I told him the address. He's like, that's towards the right. He's like, I grew up on North Main, like a couple blocks away from your house. I was like, oh, that's cool. And so we were talking about it a little bit. He's like, so where, where again, what, what, what house is yours? So I told him the address and he's like, that doesn't help me. Tell me, like describe the house. Right? So I had to start describing our house and our yard. And then he just got excited. He's like that. He's like, your house and specifically the street in front of your house it's one of my greatest memories. So now he's got my attention. I'm like, well, what was it? And he was like, VJ Day. When World War II ended, he's like, all of us gathered in the street and we celebrated. He's like, and I was celebrating with all my friends right in front of your house. And he just started to talk about the celebration of, of how happy they were as school kids to know that World War II was over, the war was done, and and so that day when I got home, I went, I made it a point that after we got our kids, I just went and stood on the porch and just looked at the street and tried to imagine in 1945, little Tom, which would have been funny to see, celebrating with all his friends. And so when we think about surrender, we love to talk about surrender on, in that sense, right? When we're on the, the, the winning side, surrender's great. But today we're going to talk about surrender on the opposite side. Because we're, we're working our way, talking about prayer. This series where we're looking at what prayer is and talking about how prayer is our communication with God, our Father. And we're using the Lord's Prayer as, as a template to help us understand what prayer is all about. The aspects of prayer that we should be using in our conversation, in our communion with God. And so last week we talked about adoration, about who God is and what he's done. And, and this week we get to move on to surrender, which we're all excited about. Right? We love to talk about surrender in this side. Maybe not. Maybe that's just me. 
I don't know. All right, let's let's turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. I invite you to turn there with me. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can uh, grab one of those in the chairs in front of you. Uh, the, the chair Bibles, you can turn right to page 951. That's like the cheat code. You can turn right to it if you want to. We're going to read uh, these, these handful of verses here. Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us your word and, and that through it we, we can know you. And so God, we, we pray this morning that, that you would teach us. That through your words, we would, we would catch a glimpse of who you are and, and what it means for each of us as, as we learn to live in obedience to you and follow you. So God, we pray that you would meet us here this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. So surrender. Now, culturally, this is something that we we don't like to talk about. I again, I don't know about you, but when I think about surrender, uh, I like to think about the opposite side. Like I think I like to to think about victory and talk about victory. And so I I know some of you in here, and I know yesterday was a, a mixed bag. Some of you celebrated victories as you think about your football team winning, and some of you are mourning losses. Right, and same thing today as we're about to, to get into a, a full day of NFL games and NBA games. We we like to 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 think about those things. We love to celebrate victory, uh, and we like to excuse away defeat, right? And so we don't like the thought of surrender. So it's not something that we talk about. In fact, we we like to do the opposite. We like to immortalize those who defy defeat, right? Who who fight to the end, who never give up, never surrender. Think about it. Just throughout history, right? we, we think about celebrated heroes like, like Nathan Hale. Right? American Revolutionary War, as, as he's being hung, his, his final words are, my only regret is I have but one life to live, give for my country. Right? The kind of that, you can never take me mentality, right? The, Davy Crockett, I remember going and visiting the Alamo and thinking about Davy Crockett and all the other men who, who fought and defended that, that little mission against innumerable odds and never surrendered, gave their lives. Talk about the Spartans, right? 300, this small group of 300 soldiers who when they're faced with the, the, the hordes of the Persian Empire who are coming to try to invade Greece, and, and when, when it's learned that they're going to lose, the majority of the army retreats, and so these 300 stay to, to defend their countrymen. 
They fight to the death. They stand until they're completely wiped out. But we don't just go there. We, we go to Bible stories, right? We love the heroes who, who never surrender. When the Israelites are fighting uh, the Philistines and they're cowering and, and not sure what to do because of this champion warrior, little shepherd boy David comes up and goes, I, I'll take on Goliath. How we love stories like that. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in a foreign land surrounded by uh, the, the entire Babylonian nation and they refuse to bow. They're not going to surrender. They'll never give in. We love those stories. But the problem is when we think about surrender and how we, we don't ever want to surrender. I don't, don't take away my freedom, my rights, my ability to do things. I don't want to surrender anything. I don't want to give an inch. The issue is we've twisted that value and we've made these stories and we've read them through our cultural lens, right? Our own opinion. We, we value a different version of things than, than what the Bible is talking about. And so we have to talk about, well, what is surrender? And we, we, we kind of shudder at the word. <clears throat> we don't want to do it, but let's, let's define it. Right? And in simple terms, surrender is that we, we cease fighting. We stop resisting something or someone and we submit to their authority. Right? Stop fighting, stop resisting, and submit to the authority of another. How many of you want to do that? No, me, me neither. Right? I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't ever want to give in. I don't want to submit my authority to anything or anyone else. And it's, it's part of our, our, our human nature. It's part of our American culture. Right? We, we, don't, we don't back down from anybody. But let me put it another way. You see, surrender is a natural response to something greater. Surrender is a response to something greater. When we come in contact, when we come up against something greater than ourselves, it's realizing that and, and yielding to it. Now, I don't know if that, that softens the blow at all, but, but here's at the heart of it. The reason we don't like surrender, the reason we don't like to, to submit to something else is, is this little thing, and I don't know if this is true of you, but it's true of me, so I'll say it, and you can nod your heads if it's true of you. Okay? The reason I don't like to surrender, the reason I don't like to submit to something else is because doing so, I have to acknowledge that I'm not the center of the universe. Huh? I don't like to admit that. I like to go around throughout my day pretending that the world revolves around me and, and everybody exists to, to make my life better. And I don't come out and say that because I'd be rude and my parents taught me not to be rude, right? But I act that way often, right? And I can, I can slip into that mindset of, well, yes, the world should revolve around me. Maybe not completely around me, but mostly, right? There's, the world's big enough that I can share a little bit, right? But it's this idea that the, everything revolves around me and to surrender or to submit is acknowledging that that is not true, that there's something greater than me. Something bigger than me. So let's start to talk about prayer, because you might be saying, well, this sounds great. Thanks for making me feel bad, but I thought we were talking about prayer. <laughs> what does any of this have to do with prayer? 
Well, again, as we are looking at the example of the Lord's Prayer, the template that Jesus gave us, the, the, the things that, that should be a part of our prayer, of our conversations with God. We started last week about talking about our adoration, right? Verse 9 of Matthew 6, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we talked about it last week. Pastor Ross talked about it, that when we adore God, we're, we're praising him for who he is and what he has done. Right? The greatness of who God is and, and all the ways that he has been faithful and good in my own life. And so I adore God. That should be the, the start of my prayer. That should be a, a huge piece of, of my prayer time, my conversation with God, is just praising him for who he is. Well, then we move on to verse, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, surrender is the logical response to adoration, right? Because if surrender is a natural response to something greater, that as we spend time in prayer adoring God, as we spend time praising God for who he is, our natural response should be to recognize that, that he's greater than we are. You see, adoration puts things into perspective. And so as I spend time in adoration, I, I, I praise God for his greatness. And as, as I think about the greatness of God, it reminds me of how small I am. And then in adoration, I worship God for his holiness. And the holiness of God reminds me of the weight of my own sin. The fact that God is omniscient and all-knowing it reminds me of my, my limited knowledge. When I think about the fact that God is eternal and never-ending, it reminds me of how finite I am and that my days are numbered. When I, when I worship God and, and how powerful and how great He is, I am, I am reminded of, of my frailty and my weakness. And it can go on and on and on because as we, as we praise God for who he is, that, that an infinite, perfect, holy God, the, the list is endless of his attributes. And every time I think about the attributes of God and myself in comparison, I am found wanting. There's not a category where I come even close to matching who God is, let alone surpassing him. And so the natural response is to surrender. And so again, as much as we don't like to surrender, we're going to talk about what it means to surrender. And, and specifically today, we're going to talk about the arc of surrender, that, that surrender is, is kind of a, a multi-step process. And the first step in surrender is to acknowledge who God is and who I'm not. And that, that realization of God is all of these things, as we read about who he is in God's in, in the Bible, as we read who he is, as we understand who he is in his very nature, it shows me who I am not and how I fall short in contrast. To put it simply, the greatness of God reminds me that I'm not God that the world doesn't revolve around me, that I'm not worthy of everything. 
It may sound crazy, but we all need reminded of that from time to time, right? So let me let me just tell you right now, you you are not God. I am not God. The world doesn't revolve around me. We're not the center of the universe. We're not the one who holds everything together. We are not perfect by any stretch of the means. We are all found wanting. And so using that definition of surrender, that is the response to when we come in contact with something greater. We haven't come in contact with something greater. We have come in contact with the greatest thing in all of creation. We have come in contact with the God who created everything and holds it all together. So let's, let's jump back into our passage in Philippians. And we're going to jump down to verse 9 and look at the last three verses that we read. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we talk about Christ, that he is exalted to the highest place, we're talking about total dominion, total authority over everything. That everything Everyone in all of history, everyone who has ever existed, everyone who currently is alive, and everyone who will ever be is subject to Christ. Everyone in all of human existence will bow before the name of Jesus. And it doesn't just stop there. It says that that every angel, every demon, every spiritual being is subject to Christ. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. All of creation, Christ is supreme. So again, as we think about that, as we we recognize that as we come in, in contact with Christ, as we come in contact with Jesus, we're talking about the creator of everything who holds everything together. And God has given him the name that that every knee shall bow, every knee will bow. And we're given this choice. We're given this opportunity to willingly surrender. By a holy, perfect God, who the reality is, is that all of us, each and every one of us, as we're taught in Romans, are sinners deserving of the wrath of God, that as we come into the presence of a holy God, we would be wiped out. And yet we're given this invitation to kneel and to bow our knee to Jesus. Have you ever done that? At any point in your life, have you come to the realization that, that, that God, you are who you say you are? Yeah, Jesus, you, you are perfect and holy. You are deserving of everything. And, and so, God, I, I bow my knee to you. I surrender to you. I give my life to you. If you have done that, once is never enough. And it's this continual act of submission, this continual bending of the knee. I, I love, as I was, I was thinking about this and, and that, that imagery of bending a knee, uh, it, it takes me right back to, to thoughts of like the, the Knights of the Round Table. And you think about medieval Europe and kind of the, the feudal system where you have all these lords, right? 
these lords who control a, a chunk of of the land, right? It may may just be their one city and the farmland surrounding it. They're lord of of this little town, and they have all their the people that work for them and serve them. But the problem is that they they may think it's great because all the people who live in that town and work around them all treat them as royalty. They're they're the lord. They're they're the ruler of all of it. But the problem is right next door, there's another town. And there's a Lord who controls that town, and that town's a little bit bigger. And he has somebody stronger who's like his right-hand man. And so right next to them, there's another, another little mini kingdom. And then all of Europe was just covered in all these little kingdoms. They have all these different lords of a varying degree of strength and power. And so you had two choices. One choice is you could go in battle, but they're going to beat you because they've got more power. They've got, they've got better horses and a cooler sword. I don't know exactly what they had, right? But they're better, they're stronger. And so I can go up against them and just be defeated and either killed or forced into slavery. Or I could go and bend my knee to them. Right? And so as Lord of my, my little kingdom, I could go up to some stronger, greater Lord and say, I bend my knee to you. I pledge my allegiance to you. If you need anything, I'm, I'm here. I'm your guy. You're going to battle against that other? Well, I don't like him either. I'm, I'm right beside you. Like, we'll, we'll fight together. I will support you and you get all the glory. I'm just, I'm just one of your people. Right? And then you just had this whole system of every, every Lord was bending their knee to somebody else because there was always somebody greater. We had these whole allegiances and alliances of, of different kingdoms that served together. Well, we get that same picture. That we try to be Lord of our own life. I'm going to control things. I'm going to do things my way. I'm in, I'm in control. I call the shots. And I can go up against God, the creator of the universe, or I can bow my knee to him. And as we're told in Philippians chapter 2, at one day every knee will bow. There's no getting around it. There's no denying it. Every knee will bow because Christ is supreme. He is ruler of everything. And so the choice is, are we going to willingly bow our knee or at one point will we be forced to bow and submit? But we're, we're forced to the, this point, though, where sometimes this, this feels like as we talk about God in this way, it seems to come in contrast with, with this other character of God that, that we like to talk about, right? We, t- we love to talk about the merciful God who loves us a merciful Savior who, who is a friend to sinners. And that seems to be in contrast when we talk about this holy, just God who everyone will bend the knee to. Yeah, someday everyone will surrender to Christ as Lord and his, his power and majesty and holiness. But, but I don't want to talk about that. I'd rather just talk about, about Buddy Jesus, who's my friend and cares for me. When we talk about prayer, I don't want to talk about surrender. I want to talk about when do we get to the part of prayer where we just get to ask God for things and he gives us everything we want. But you see, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of it is that, that God is both, one and the same, and, and we, it's hard to wrap our minds around. And yet God is a loving, just, merciful God who gently invites us into relationship. That's the beauty as we read in Philippians chapter 2. That's the beauty of verses 5 through 8. You see, because 
We don't just start with surrender saying, well, surrender is acknowledging who God is and who I'm not. But the second part of surrender is that we relinquish control. We give up control. It's, it's no longer me in charge. I understand that, God, you are greater. So I give you control. I give you authority. Right? Just like the night, I'm bending my knee to you. You call the shots. Your will be done. Not me anymore. We surrender and submit to the authority over us. But we do have a God who is gentle and loving. And Christ set the perfect example for us. Right? So in verse 6, we see that Jesus, who is in the very nature of God, Jesus was God. He had existed in perfect relationship with the Father since the beginning. He had existed over all of creation. And according to the Father's will, he humbled himself. And he took on humanity. He took on flesh. And he was willing to become a servant. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to die, even to death on the cross. And why? Because he loved you. Because he loves me. So I can relinquish control because I see the example of Christ who, who because the Father willed and because of his great love for us, he, he willingly humbled himself and did the unimaginable. That God died for me, a sinner who by nature is deserving of wrath. Because he loved me. And so we submit, we acknowledge who God is and who I'm not, and I relinquish control. But the problem is oftentimes that's where we stop. When we talk about surrender, we, we, talk, we go that far, right? God, you are, God, you are holy, you are just, and so I, I surrender to you. I give up control, and then the reality is it's, it's not even real control. It's just my perception of control. I think I'm in charge. I think I'm calling the shots, but, but I, I don't have power like that. I don't have control over my life as much as I try and strive for it. And so I just acknowledge who God is, and I surrender to him, and that's a good start, but that's not where it ends. Because you see, we have this false idea that surrender is this, this weak and passive thing, right? It's that I give up. I surrender, I'm done. And even on, in, a, in a good way, God, I surrender to you and your holiness. God, I surrender because you are, are worthy of it. And you are just, I bend my knee to you. Now I'll just sit here and wait for heaven. No, surrender is not a passive thing. You see, that's, a, that's a, the culmination of the arc of surrender is, is continue in obedience. Okay, when we truly surrender, we continue in obedience, right? It's, and when we go back to the feudal system, it's not like a Lord saying, I pledge my allegiance to you. And then the, the, the other Lord comes back and is like, hey, I'm going to battle. I need your support. You're like, great, have fun, good luck. It's like, no, I, I, I continue in that, right? I, I live out my word. I'm going to come and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight everything for your glory. The same is true with God, that, that when we bend our knee to God, when we submit to his authority, God, your will be done in my life. That I continue in obedience. He's Lord of my life, and so I give my life in service to him. 
We live under the authority of God of the universe. The God who rescued us and called us to himself. You see, we have, we have clear direction and authority in our life. And we think back to the examples that, that we were talking about, how we, we immortalize and then kind of uh, turn these, these guys into heroes, these people who never surrendered. Well, well guess what? We, we have a wrong view of them. They had all surrendered. They had already surrendered their life to something greater than themselves. They found something bigger and better than them and devoted their lives to it. Nathan Hale, right? He, he was so caught up in the idea of the, the birth of this nation and the freedom and, and what that should be that he was willing to risk his life. And he gave his life fighting for independence. Davy Crockett and all the men at the Alamo, they, they were, again, so enamored with the idea of freedom and the freedom of the people of Texas that they, they fought and they, they, they defended themselves against an army that outnumbered them. And they never surrendered because they, they knew that they had already surrendered their life to something bigger than themselves. The Spartans, again, their, their whole existence, the Greek way of life that they valued so much, they, they fought for their families and said, I'm willing to lay it all on the line for this. David, when he came up against Goliath, he'd already, he'd already surrendered his lies to his God. And he said, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. God's name was worth fighting for. And he said, I, I don't care what it's going to cost me. I know that on paper, I, have, I don't me measure up. He said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, standing before all of Babylon, refusing to bend a knee. They said, our God can save us. I don't care what you do to me. Our God will save us. And then they had the audacity to say, but even if he doesn't, know that we will never bow our knee to you. Because I've already bowed my knee to God, the creator of everything. Nothing you can do will harm. They all realized that they were not the end all. They were not the central focus of the story. They had encountered something bigger. Something worth devoting their lives to. And what greater thing is there than God? A savior who has came to rescue us. And so we bend our knee to Jesus saying, God, you call the shots. I'm a follower of you. I give you my life. I do things your way. Your will be done. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to do it your way. God, you want me to do what? <laughs> God, that's going to be career suicide. I'm never going to get promotions if I, if I do things this way. You want me to be just honest in all my deals, but, but everybody else does it this way. But God, whatever you say, I'm living your way. God, my, my friends are going to think I'm crazy. If, if I spend all my time serving you, if I, if I, if I devote, devote all of my time, my talent, my resources to your kingdom and serving you, God, people are going to think I'm crazy. But God, whatever you will, I do things your way. 
Got my family already thinks I'm crazy, but this is just going to convince them even more that I'm, I'm, I've lost it. God, you want me to do what? Whatever you say. God, I surrender my will to yours. Your will be done. Whatever you ask of me. You see, following Jesus is not just an assent that his opinion is good and worth considering. Following Jesus is total surrender. Total devotion. That daily we take up our cross and we surrender and say, God, you call the shots in my life. Whatever you are asking of me, God, I surrender it to you. And so our prayer is that daily. A part of our prayer is acknowledging who God is and who I'm not. Relinquishing our, our attempt at control and saying, God, what do you have for me? How do you want me to use the, the talents that you've given me, God? How do, how, how do I use my time? What, what are you asking of me to do? Because, God, I want to do things your way. I don't even know what I'm saying yes to, but, God, you're in charge. You're in control. Total surrender. That's the invitation that we're brought into. And it's not an invitation to surrender to a, a God who is distant and, and demanding and, and impersonal. It's a God who loves us. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is perfect. Yes, he requires holiness of us. And yet he has given us a savior. And he's brought us near because of Jesus and what he has done for us. And so we can willingly surrender and bow our knees to him. So that's what, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to wrap up our time at, in a moment. The band's going to come out and lead us in worship. But we're, gonna, we're just going to take a moment and pray. And so I invite you to join me. And I, I'm, I'm physically going to get down on my knees. And I'm going to bend my knee to a Savior who loves me. And has given his life to me. And I'm going to surrender again daily. I, I, I fail constantly. But I'm constantly invited to surrender my life again to Jesus and, and devote all that I am to him. So do you join me as we wrap up our time in prayer? Father, we worship you because you alone are, are holy. You alone are perfect. God, we acknowledge that, that, that we are not God. We are not holy. We are not, we're not perfect. We are, we are sinners who are deserving of wrath. And yet you loved us enough that God, you sent your son to rescue us. That Jesus became flesh, that he died in our place. And so, God, we worship you. And the, the only response that I have that, that makes sense is, is, God, I surrender to you. God, I accept the, the life that you have given me, the, the incredible identity as a, as a child of God. And God, I worship you. I surrender my life to you. God, whatever you ask of me, I I want to do it. I don't know what it is that you're calling me to today, but God, help me to walk in obedience. That moment by moment, I would say yes to you. God, use me for your glory. God, I pledge allegiance to you and you alone. And I worship you today. Jesus, may we be people who live in complete and total surrender to you. God, we worship you today. Amen.